This is the Things You Should Know podcast, and I'm Andy Ngo. I'm releasing this episode as huge swaths of the world population are experiencing state-enforced stay-at-home mandates in response to the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic. I know so many of you are hurting financially, in addition to the impact on the lives of vulnerable populations, the economic impact for all of us will be devastating. During this time, I'm continuing to work on stories and releasing content. Thank you for the support you have and are providing to content creators such as myself who depend on crowdsourcing. I'd like to apologize that it's been so long since my last long-form interview. 2020 is a big year for me, and I can't wait for you to see what I have planned. In this episode, I interview Imam Tawhidi, a Shia Muslim cleric who has attracted controversy for his harsh criticisms of mainstream Islamic culture. His supporters call him the Imam of Peace, while his detractors accuse him of so-called Islamophobia. Among many things, Tawhidi is known for being an outspoken critic of care, the Muslim Brotherhood, and U.S. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. I interviewed him in person from Miami, Florida. You're kind of an internationally based uh, imam, and I would call you a a critic of Islam. I'm not sure if you accept that um, description, but you speak extremely candidly about not just things in Islam, but also Muslims. And so, one, you've gained many, many followers in particularly the United States um, because of your vocal opposition to American Muslim figures like Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Linda Sarsour. So I kind of, I want to focus on that and I kind of want to work through these three women and other people and why it's important for you to speak out as you do. So most recently, I guess, uh, Ilhan Omar is probably the most well-known by this point of those three. And you've spoken against her a lot online and also have made certain... um, uh, innuendos and ins- insinuations. So I want to give you the opportunity now to share what is your problem with Ilhan Omar. Okay, well, thank you very much for having me on, Andy. To begin with, I am not a critic of Islam as a religion. I am a critic of certain brands of Islam because Islam is not just one big block of people that follow one ideology. We are very different from each other, which is why ISIS who are Muslims kill Muslims like me. So I'm not a critic of praying and fasting and, uh, you know, worshipping. No, I'm a critic of beheading and, you know, chopping off limbs and flogging. But that's what Care would say. No. 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 Uh, Care, for example, 
say that they're against Saudi Arabia and they're against the terrorists and you know but they themselves are no different they are the Muslim Brotherhood so an extremist being against another extremist doesn't make them a moderate care are terrorists them going against uh, another terrorist doesn't make them less of terrorists and when I say this obviously I mean their designation by the UAE and uh, you know, Muslim Brotherhood in general, and they are tied to that. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. The critics in the Muslim community uh, who are skeptical of you describe you as just a sectarian partisan, that your agenda really is to uh, make Sunni Islam look bad as a Shia cleric. Is that accurate? Um, I think whoever looks at the facts will realize that I am nowhere near sectarianism. For the simple fact that I was trained by Sunni Imams and I memorized much of the Quran in Al-Taqwa Mosque in Perth, Western Australia, which is a Sunni mosque. And I attended the Australian Islamic College and I had Sunni teachers for my Islamic studies lessons. And on top of that, Many of my employees are Sunnis, and many of my friends are Sunnis. I published a book called The Tragedy of Islam, where there is no chapter focusing on Sunni Islam, but there are two chapters focusing on Shia Islam. I'm a reformist. A reformist does not care about small sects and denominations and what's happening. A reformist looks at the whole image and presents his opinion. When we criticize ISIS, they're Sunni. When we criticize Al-Qaeda, they're Sunni. When I criticize Taliban, they're Sunni. Criticize the Muslim Brotherhood, they're Sunni. Ilhan Omar, Sunni. Linda Sarsour, Sunni. So if you are telling me by criticizing them, I'm being sectarian, well, I also criticize Iran and I also criticize Hezbollah. And that's in my book and that's been you know on, on record for many, many years. So for someone to call me sectarian... They are the ones with the sectarian mentality, not me. Because I'm criticizing both Shia and Sunnis. I never criticize Saudi Arabia without Iran or without Hezbollah. So I'm not sectarian. I understand why people think I am. But hey, Shia Islam is made of what? 15% of Islam? Most of the terrorist organizations listed in the designated terrorist list around the world are Sunni. So what do you want me to do? If, if you're telling me don't criticize Sunnis, that means... Don't criticize ISIS. That means don't criticize any of the fanatics. I say no, we'll criticize them and every other fanatic from every other denomination. That's what I uh, do, and I'm not a secretarian. So a moment ago, you just described yourself as a reformer, but I've also heard you say... Reformist. Reformist. What's the difference? A reformer is someone that wants to reform the whole religion. I believe Islam can never be reformed. A reformist tries to reform a specific case. It's more of a title rather than a, a, uh, a movement, rather than a, uh, an agenda, rather than an actual uh, active, uh, let's say, process of going out to society. Reformist is something personal. It's speaking about the individual themselves. I'm a reformist. I believe it's more to do with my belief rather than my actions. A reformist believes in 
working on the mentality of those around him, starting with him himself, working on the liberation of the individual mindset, rather than trying to change the texts that have already been memorized by millions of Muslims. Um, I don't believe in changing uh, mosques, I don't believe in changing books, I don't believe in, in changing any of this because it's not realistic, it's not going to work. And no Muslim who's devout will accept a reformed brand of Islam. So why waste my time? Well, you just named off the list of uh, jihadists and extremist Muslim organizations. How are you going to affect change or, or combat those groups if you can't make changes to these things you just listed? No, the thing is, it's not one body. When I began speaking, I said, Islam is not one body. It's not one book. It's not, excuse me, one mosque. It's not one school of thought. These extremists I speak of, they come from different schools of thought. If we want to change and bring about change, then we need to target all of them. And we can't. Care is on one side and ISIS is on another side. Saudi Arabia is on another side. Iran is on another side. They don't believe in the same books or even the same interpretation of the Quran. So to think that if we change certain books, this whole problem would be solved, and that's not realistic. They're not even going to accept it. But you cannot deny that Muslims like me, Muslims like, uh, for example, Rahil Raza, Kanta Ahmed, we exist like Majid Nawaz, and we're not extremists, and we're not fanatics. So Muslim individuals can change, a religion cannot. So you've been really vocal in your criticism to... Um, Ilhan Omar, tell me, um, what does she represent to you that merits public criticism? Ilhan Omar is an agent of Qatar in Congress. And I will prove that very soon. To me, she is pushing a Muslim Brotherhood agenda. She is the voice of care in Congress. She's anti-America. She lobbies for a lighter sentencing for ISIS recruits. She voted against blocking terrorists from getting life insurance. Um, she recently, in August, I was the one who broke the story, where she praised Hormud, which is a telecommunications company in Somalia, the main financier of Al-Shabaab. I was the one who broke the story. And then people started to point it out. And I broke it on the Times of Israel in my blog. I believe she's an Islamist, a threat to national security. I don't trust her. And I think she's working against America. That is, that is how I see things. I can't help it. That's my brain. That's how it works. And I've been right all along. What do you mean when you say that she is an agent of Qatar? It means she's funded by Qatar. She is owned by Qatar. She is a, she is a Qatari asset. She is there to further their interests. She is there to share vital information. And uh, if I'm lying, she should sue me. So you stand by those comments? Oh, of course. Okay. And if not, then she should deny. What makes her dangerous to you? The fact that everything I said, one of them is, is enough. Do you think that she is an authentically religious person? No. Or? No, no, no. Ilhan Omar? Yes. No way. Why? No way. Uh, but the hijab. No, man. <laughs> no, hijab doesn't make you religious. Just like my turban doesn't make me a good man. Um, 
Uh, no, we have many women who wear the burqas that are the worst the Muslim world has ever seen. Um, even the wife of uh, Prophet Muhammad, Aisha. And again, they're going to say sectarian. What kind of a devout Muslim dances in, in pride parades? Which devout Muslim does it? Which devout Muslim supports abortion? Which devout Muslim dances? Which devout Muslim hangs around with her married strategist? Which devout Muslim would even put her name, you know, as uh, marrying her brother? Which, which devout Muslim would do that? Some would say a moderate reformist Muslim. Well, she doesn't hang around with moderate reformists. She hangs around with care. These are extremist fanatics. They're the ones. Look, no one's telling her, you have to be devout, therefore don't do this. She's the one who says, I am the devout one with my hijab. She's the one that says, I represent Islam. So don't say one thing and then do another. What kind of a devout Muslim woman wears lipstick and all this jewelry? I want women to wear jewelry and lipstick. But don't tell me you are pro-Sharia and you're doing what is against Sharia. Showing your hands and short sleeves. This is against Sharia law. So my concern is hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. What are your thoughts on Rashida Tlaib? No different. She's also a Qatari asset. But of less importance than Ilhan because of her hijab. Why is the hijab so important to Very Qatar? important because Qatar is a fanatic Muslim Brotherhood Hamas funding state. Symbolism is everything for them. What do you think of Linda Sassua? She's next in Congress. She will run very soon. Very, very soon. And what's her agenda to you? Same. Same as Ilhan, if not worse. If not worse. The real leader of care in America is Linda Sarsour. It's not Nihad Awad. They all take orders from Linda. And if I'm lying, let them deny. Say one word. I've been tagging them online. Tagging the Qatari embassy. Tagging every media organization that is funded or associated with Qatar. Tagging every foreign minister, politician. Tagging Ilhan, Rashida, Linda Sarsour. Tagging them all on a daily basis. 24 hours doesn't go by without me tagging them and directly accusing them of being Qatari operatives in America. And they haven't said one word or denied it. And they can't. And they should sue me if I'm defaming them. Why do you call the Council on American-Islamic Relations or CARE a terrorist? Because they espouse a terrorist ideology. Which is what? Which is the militant ideology of Islamism. That Islam is more superior and Islam has rights more than any other religion and Muslims have more rights than any other religion and whoever we don't agree with should be silenced and in fact they should be replaced with our brand of thinking. That is a, a very violent approach. That is exactly what ISIS believes in, that it's either my way or the highway. And uh, the only difference between CARE and, and ISIS is the fact that ISIS have weapons. Care believe in the same books as ISIS. Same books. Same interpretations of the Quran. Same Bukhari. What's been really surprising to me in the culture wars, which I write about a lot, particularly Antifa, the, mili the militant um, enforcers of political correctness, is that they've become allies with care, or at least people who are on staff with care. Care Oregon or Portland, Oregon, where I live, is a relatively new chapter. And I see that Rose City Antifa, which is the, the 
Portland Antifa group that claims responsibility for beating me. They retweet content from the head or one of the main staff people of Care Org. And, um, and I see that repeated in other Antifa chapters across the U.S. Um, but it's representative of a larger far-left um, allying with hardcore Islamists. Why is that happening? Where are the shared goals? A militant ideology means those who embrace it are militants. You see, let me give you an example. How do Muslims in a mosque just get up and go join ISIS? How does that happen? Because the cleric is teaching them a jihadi ideology. That cleric is also a jihadist. Because he's the one who's causing these kids in his congregation to go and join ISIS. And this is no different from Antifa. No different from any other terrorist organization. And I do believe Antifa is a terrorist organization. These guys, they have an ideology. It's an ideology of violence. And they have different methods in promoting their ideology and pushing it forward, furthering their interests. They're very similar. Antifa believe there's some massive corporation that's running the country corporations and therefore they're fighting for the freedom of the people Antifa is an atheistic movement though. yeah yeah, I, I know but when you tell them they say oh the patriarchy all this all that they claim there's some movement out there that's running the government and they're out there to free and liberate and anti-fascist the fascists are in control the same with the Islamic extremists we're here to liberate the world from what's out there. And you never really know what's out there. They don't tell you. They don't put a finger on what's out there. They just want to yell and push and fight and get angry. Riot. But ultimately their goals will collide with one another. They have already collided. In an Omar Zaran Antifa protest just a few days ago. You think that was her? That was her. It's her face. I'll show you a picture. Did you not see that picture? I've, I've, I've seen the photos that people say are her. Um... It remains to be seen. I know she's denied it, so I have to put that on record. She, she denied it, then she should show us the old boarding pass. When did she land? Do you really think Ilan Omar was going to miss Trump being in Minnesota? <laughs> Look at this. Who is this? Point is, I believe it's her, and she's a liar. And if uh, it's not her, then she should show us the boarding pass. Look, I get accused many times of being in certain places. And all I do is I look for the boarding pass. And these days it's all electronic. And if I can't, look, she can't say I can't share itinerary for safety reasons. It's passed. You already landed. You know, you already landed. But what safety? So you can always show us just what time did you land? That's it. And I do it all the time. Whenever someone accuses me of being in Saudi Arabia or Iran or whatever, I show them, no, this is my itinerary. This is where I was. Do you remember recently the Women's March had brought on Zara? Yeah. Uh, and Zara's extensive social media posts showed that she expressed support for um, jihadist terrorism, uh, religious theocracy, and the, the caliphate. Did that surprise you? That No. In fact, she's very honest. Yeah, I, I respect people like that. I really, really respect extremist jihadists who come out and say... We are extremists, we are fanatics, we don't like you, and we're here to push our own agenda. I really appreciate that, because they make my life so much easier. Like before, my 
big problem was having a video in Arabic where an extremist would say, we need to blow these kafirs up, these infidels up. And I'm like, I posted online and I show them what they're saying. I quoted, I translated, and they say, well, how do we know that's an accurate translation? Well, how do we know that's what he said? Is there a, a verified subtitle version? Now they're speaking in English. I am so happy. Now all I have to do is show them. I have a problem with Muslim leaders in America, in Texas, going to Saudi Arabia, drinking camel urine. I have a big problem with that. And people say, you're being racist. How is it that they drink urine? So now, Muslim imams from Texas are going to Saudi Arabia, live streaming. Hello, we landed in Medina, we're going to go drink some camel urine. In English. So I'm so happy that they now speak English, tweet in English. All we have to do is retweet. That's it. Make my life so much easier. And there's no takia in that. That's straight up, they'll tell you. We are fanatics. Both Sunni and Shia. Do you have any thoughts about any of the Muslim leaders in the UK? Oh, man. The Shia side that are controlled by Iran, the Sunni side are out of control. Because the Shia are more uh, intact. They have a clerical system. They follow ayatollahs. The Sunnis are much larger community, very hard to control, run by councils and so on. They're fanatics. I mean, you're an international figure, so I, you know, we've been focused so much on Muslim figures in the U.S. Let's try to bring it to Australia, where you spent a lot of spend and spent a lot of time. Uh, there was Yasmin a few years ago. To me, uh, as an outsider, I, would, I viewed her as the kind of like the Australian Linda Sassoor. Yeah. And except um, she seemed to be not as good as hiding her tracks with her communications with hardcore. She's incidents. a nobody. A nobody that the left-wing media... What's her full name? Yasmin, Yasmin Abdelmajid. And she's Sudanese-Australian, right? Yeah. She was on television all the time. It's this Muslim voice, hijabi woman. She was on the ABC. It's like CNN on steroids. Um, that's Australia's problem. Um, no, she's a nobody. They were trying to groom her to run for politics. And she was too honest. She kept saying that, you know, Sharia law to me... Nobody cares what it is to you. We care what it is. And she says, to me, Islam is the most feminist religion and, and so on. So she couldn't shut up. And then she said, Australia is like an abusive boyfriend to me. And she insulted the Anzacs, you know, our soldiers. And then she said, she's leaving to the UK. People like that come and go. No impact, no influence, just a big mouth and a pretty scarf. That's it. What are your thoughts on hijab and veiling in general? I don't have a problem with women covering their hair. I don't have a problem. I cover my head with a turban. I don't have a problem with people wearing what they want to wear. I have a problem with women being forced to wear stuff. Most of the women in my family wear hijab. Most of them wear hijab. In fact, all of them wear hijab. When I say most, that's because... There are some relatives I have never met, so I don't know. I do know, because we're a big family. So I don't know what relative might not wear one. But I do know that all women related to me by blood, all of them wear the hijab. My mother, family, we all, all of them. They want to. Good for them. So then doesn't it make you happy that big companies like Nike and women's 
organizations like Women's March feature... Uh, to me, that's business. That's not an ideology. Nike doesn't have an ideology. Nike's been making most of its money from bikinis and whatever. Whatever that's not Islamic, you know. I don't even know what their products are these days. But I don't have a problem with women wearing whatever they want to wear. Even burqa. I don't... I've been outspoken about the burqa for national security reasons. A burqa is a national security concern. If you cover your face in airports, if you cover your face while driving, you know, do drive-bys, stuff like that, then you just... We've seen videos of women who put half the shopping center in their, in, in their dresses just because they're wearing a burqa, shoplifting. That's a, that's a security concern. But a scarf, you're showing your face. You can wear it, but don't force... Women to wear it. Like I, you know, I was raised and born and studied in Iran. I have a big problem with Iranian women being forced to wear the hijab. I feel they should fight for their freedom to not wear it. I don't like people forcing people to do anything. Imagine me telling someone, "Don't wear the hijab," and she's like, "Don't wear the turban." I can't. We dress however we want to dress. It's simple as that. Freedom. Leave people alone. What are some solutions to the? conundrum the the world is facing in regards to violent and non-violent Islamic extremism? Short-term solution, a quick solution, doesn't exist. A long-term, it does exist, but on a local level. So Majid Nawaz in the UK, me in Australia, in America, Rahil Raza in Canada, on local levels, we could make a difference. That's basically as realistic as it can get. What are some like what are some actionable things that can be done? Like for example, what should be done about organizations like CARE? Ban. Ban. Completely. Illegal. They're banned in Muslim countries. But I thought you support you talk openly about supporting freedom of speech. Yeah. Freedom of religion. Freedom of speech, go uh, have your religion and, and and do whatever you like. Just don't preach for my beheading. That's not freedom of speech. We have a saying in Arabic that translates to believe in your stone, just don't stone me with it. That's not freedom of speech to say that you want to take over and <laughs> butcher and kill. And same ideology. Care believes in the Bukhari. The Bukhari is a manual of war. That's what it is. It is the first book to ever turn jihad into a doctrine. There was no actual book of jihad before the Bukhari, 200 years after the Prophet Muhammad. They were the ones who turned all those developments into an actual doctrine, Bukhari. And Care believes in it. That's not freedom of speech. That's war. Big difference. Freedom of speech is me saying I don't like you. All right, so freedom of speech is me saying I don't like you, or me saying I don't believe that you can be born gay, right? That's freedom of speech. It's not freedom of speech when I say, Come, I want to take you to the fifth floor, I'm going to throw you off. <laughs> That's not freedom of speech. That's you going to call the police on me immediately. We need to distinguish between these two. And what do you think about mosques and Islamic centers who do? Um, propagate extremist material. There was a mosque in 
I forget which Islamic which state it was in the U.S., but um, the video leaked of their children's program. Yeah, I think Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah. right? And that was um, j- just to remind listeners: the videos of the performances showed them saying very violent anti-Semitic things, as well as, um, well, you you seen it? So, and it was in Arabic. So, yeah, they were radicals. Teaching radicalization to to children. Um, What do we do with them? It's the government's fault. Do you think that should be allowed under religious freedom? No. Religious freedom is you praying, is you fasting, is you taking Fridays off, like how the Jewish people take Saturdays off. That's religious freedom. It's not religious freedom to preach texts that want to destroy the Constitution. That's, That's the first step to suicide of a nation. That's not freedom. Look, you have look. We can't have different standards for America and for the West and for the Middle East. If a Christian school in Saudi Arabia said the same thing, radicalizing children against Muslims, do you know what would happen to them? Not only will the school be shut down, it will be bulldozed in Saudi Arabia and Iran. I don't get this double standard. We can't have one standard against radicalization that works only in America and doesn't work in Saudi Arabia. We have to be fair. But your critics would say that um, you're advocating authoritarianism. Look, I'm not advocating for anything. I'm, I'm just saying we need to uphold national security. And this radicalization is a threat to national security. That's what it is. I don't care about what people think. And I don't care about society and what society believes is right or wrong. I care about what is realistic. A school radicalizing children is one step towards a terrorist attack. I'm not going to wait and say, I condemn this terrorist attack and thoughts and prayers. No, I'm going to call them out from day one. So if something happens, I could say, I told you. I want to be on the good side of history. I don't, I don't want to be on the right side of history. Or because what's right changes every now and then. What's right now can become wrong tomorrow. And I don't like that. I like to be realistic. What's your warning to the United States, Canada, Australia, UK, various countries that you visit? What's your warning for if they continue on the same path as we've had for since 9-11? With regards to these countries, I think... What we need is a leader that understands the threat of terrorism. For Canada, it's finished. Justin Trudeau does not take terrorism seriously. He just doesn't. There is no indication of Justin Trudeau taking terrorism seriously. He's campaigned in a mosque uh, several years ago that was linked to terrorism, right? Yeah, and he gave Omar Khadr $10.5 million. A guy who, who, who confessed that he killed while being overseas. I don't believe that's uh, a leader that should be in office. Trump, people disagree with. People love. They get offended. Yeah, to me, I don't care about the economy. I don't care. I come from a society in the Middle East where I can live without electricity. I can live without economy. I I can't live with a jihadi in my area. Trump is against the jihadists. That's good for me. I'm happy. I come from a family that was targeted by ISIS. I lost my uncle to ISIS. I am happy when Trump 
whoops their asses. Very happy. I'll say it this way. I don't care if he has problems with the Democrats, if he has problems here and there. I do not care about any of that. I don't even vote in America. I don't care. But what he's doing is influencing the global narrative, global movements, influencing other nations' politics, and he's against ISIS. I like that. Obama was not against ISIS. Obama funded the rebels. Obama was the reason ISIS now have American weapons. He was the one who gave it to the rebels in Syria. The rebels in Syria gave it to ISIS. Or ISIS took over and then took their weapons. The point is, Obama was not against ISIS. Not if he was, just talk. Trump is against ISIS. The UK, Theresa May, is not against Islamic terrorism. She has a very weak stance. She doesn't want to talk about it. When something happens, she says, oh, this is sad. She has no active policy. When I say a leader is not against terrorism, I don't mean they like terrorism. I just mean they don't have a real policy against terrorism. They rely on the CIA or the intelligence services, and then that's it. They get a briefing, and then they make a a press release. That's not being against terrorism. That's you being an actress. Trump has a policy, and he said, I'm going to bomb the shit out of them. Excuse my language. That's a good policy. I like that. It's not a policy when you're sitting in your office and the intelligence agencies or whatever, they come and they give you a briefing. And then what should we do? And then you say, what, sh- what do you think we should do? And then you sign an order and that's it. That's not being against terrorism. That's you not having time for the real threat on this planet. More threatening than climate change. So how do you respond then to people on the left who bring up that, well... In, in the West, it's been white supremacists in recent years and the far right who have killed more than jihadists. You know, you know, they're selective in their data. So they, in the US, they start counting after September 11th, for example. Um, they will also sometimes include ex- anecdotes from like New Zealand. But I mean, these were large scale massacres and they say this is evidence of uncontrolled Islamophobia. What's your response? White supremacism does lead to terrorism. The far right and their activism does lead to terrorism. So does the far left, such as Antifa. All of these extremist groups need to be called out, and they're no different than ISIS. The only difference between the Christchurch terrorist and any ISIS militant that walks into a church and shoots is the difference in religion. Difference in ideology, difference in political motives. They are all the same. They all have a manifesto. They all have an agenda. And they all want to have the same or similar impact on society. And they all believe they are doing the right thing. And they're heroes. Or they expect to be heroes. To be seen as heroes. So I think it's not an issue of what we consider to be a terrorist attack or not. It's the very action that takes place and what led to it. Um, All extremism should be condemned. All of it should be rejected. There is no higher threat when it comes to that. Like some of ISIS's operations, they will kill 20 or 10 innocent people. Christchurch, 50 at one go. There is no higher or lower threat. It's all equal. 
The difference is in the amount of people that die. But the threat is one. The opportunity to kill innocent people varies from time to location to strategy applied. But the threat is one. What do you think about the response of the Prime Minister of New Zealand at the time? She was quite um, held in the international media as somebody who showed a lot of respect for Islam. Well, uh, you know, at the end of the day, she's a politician. What she did was good in the eyes of the Muslims, in the eyes of the Muslim world. She definitely guaranteed her re-election. And... You know, I believe she was sincere. Then again, why would you have all reporters wear hijab and all police officers wear hijab? And that's a bit too much. Like there are Muslim reporters. Muslim. I thought people were taking pictures doing the one finger salute. Yeah, I mean it's it's ridiculous. That's going overboard. Like one terrorist attack and the whole country becomes. It looks like it's a Muslim country. That's not right. Stand with the good and move on. I mean. Just, Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that was Muslim commentator and author Imam Tahidi. I want to take a moment to thank you again for those who support me through Patreon, Subscribestar, or PayPal, particularly during these uncertain times with the Wuhan coronavirus. Thank you for seeing the value of my journalism and my work. Stay safe, stay well, and I look forward to reading your feedback. <laughs>